Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. Good morning. morning. You start this off, don't you? I'm going to welcome everyone with us this morning. Thank you for coming out for our anniversary. Um, There'll be a lunch today following. Uh, in the hall before uh, Crawford Cemetery service. And looks like we are not going to have to pray for good weather. We're going to get it. No decision today. No decision today. Uh, so the announcements are uh, in your bulletin. Uh, we thank the choir and Linda for yes. And tomorrow, before I forget, tomorrow is session for the elders at 1.30. But we thank Linda and the choir and Anna and Beth for uh, their special music today. And uh, remember Knox anniversary July 21st and Snow Road anniversary August 25th. And Fiddler Sunday September 8th. Uh, those are dates to mark on your calendar. And hope we see us all back again. Yeah. And we welcome Reverend Bob Hill. I don't know how many years he's been coming, but it's, it's over 20. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Over 20. My yep. goodness. Yep. Anyway. Thank you. I got a story to tell you. First thing to tell you this story. Sister Grace was in the convent, and she got a letter from home from her mother, and inside of it was a $100 bill. While she was reading the letter, she looked outside and saw a man, a derelict. So she felt sorry. She wrote in a, a little, little note to him, don't despair, wrapped up the $100 and threw it out. Two days later, someone came to the Sister Teresa and said, there's a man at the front door who wants to see you. So she went down, and it was that derelict, and he Hand it over, $8,000. He said, don't despair, come in at 80 to 1. (laughs) That's for you, my friend. (laughs) Well, we better get serious, you know. So the call to worship in unison. Grant, O God... And while you're singing, I have to go to my car. I think I forgot to bring in the children's story unless someone took a bag from the dollar store and threw it away. I don't know. But the opening hymn is 592. Yes? Oh, there it is. 
is here. <laughs> I thought my mind was going this would be my last year. But <laughs> Let us pray. <clears throat> o God, having become exhausted with the many tasks of everyday life, 
It is important for us to come here to find rest for body and soul. Having been confused by the conflicting claims of many secular and religious sects, it is necessary for us to return to hear, to hear the clear teaching of your word. Having been disillusioned by the successes of evil and the defeat of the good, we need to be reassured about your ultimate plan for our world. Having had our minds and senses bombarded by the media, we need to rearrange our priorities and to set our eyes upon eternal truths. We admit, Lord God, that we have not always been sensitive to your call. We have sometimes neglected to open your word. We have left the computer on too long. We have on occasion been too busy to worship. We often could not hear your quiet voice above the din of everyday life. We have sometimes allowed ourselves to become prisoners of tradition. We have often mistaken impulse for the urging of your spirit. We have sometimes made up our minds and asked you to confirm our decisions. Forgive us, Lord, for closing our hearts and ears. Make us sensitive to hear your spirit and then ready to obey his will. In the silence of our hearts, we come to make our peace with you, our God. Hear the words of the prophet Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. Amen. Oh boy, the children's songs are given. Bingo. 250, Lord of the Dance.
good hymn. Wow. It ain't gonna be dull. my lady friends. You're coming up here again.
standing on the chair, isn't it? <laughs> that is wonderful. Really, really wonderful. Um, do we pray this prayer in unison too, listening to God's word? Do we? Okay, together, let's go. Prepare our hearts, O God, that we accept the gift of grace. May we open our hearts to your word. Let us hear your voice, obey your will, knowing that you do have called us to holy living through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. A very familiar piece of scripture, the parable of the prodigal and his brother. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything as a fear of famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring in his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of man who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder brother was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, What's going on? He replied, Your brother has come, and your father's killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and have never disobeyed your command. And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, 
and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Amen to this reading of God's own holy word. To his name be all glory and praise. Let us pray. Come, O God, in the power of your spirit and open our hearts and minds to receive your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's party time. Now that's a familiar cry in our society. Partying is a sought-after experience. Friday night is the gong for party time. Monday morning, we ask, where did you party? Well, what makes for a good party? Well, you must have an event, something to celebrate. A birthday, retirement, anniversary, a wedding, a victory. Then you have your sports night. You give the award and a presentation. Or simply, it's the weekend and you're out of work. Now, event, an event is a vent that allows people to whip it up. Joy rules out in dance and song and laughter. Joy is created by thanksgiving for the event. I remember going to Ireland and went to see the senior folks who were doing old Irish dancing. And they were full of joy. It was a great time. They were dancing out of thanksgiving for their past and the joy of the old dancing and the reviving of the old dancing, and they were having a ball. So an event is a vent for joy from thanksgiving. People, we need people who can identify with the event, however. If the event does not grab people, it is not a vent for joy. Remember hearing a story one time about a party, the 25th anniversary of a couple's marriage. And the minister who married them went to the party. And there was the groom sitting in the corner, face as long as today and tomorrow. Not very happy. He said, John, this is party time. There's music, there's laughter, there's food, there's friends. Why are you so miserable? Well, he said, remember I came to see you 20 years after I was married? And um, I said, I wanted to kill my wife. And you said if I did... I get 25 years in jail. Just think I'd be getting out tonight. <laughs> and you know, you don't identify with an event when you make an appearance with a plastic smile or you go to a wedding and it's a duty. You show your presence, you give a present, and then you leave. I think of poor politicians. Of all the darn things they have to attend, say a few words and then leave. Must be a miserable lifestyle. Now, people need to identify with the event. You know, it may be a best friend's wedding, a parent's anniversary, a sports dinner, and you're a loyal fan. Or it's awards night, you've given your blood, sweat, and tears for the team, and you're going to get your medal, or you're going to get the ring. Or graduation. My goodness, you've given your financial, moral, and spiritual energy and support. And now it's time to graduate. When I graduated from Presbyterian College, the day I put the last period to the last sentence of the last paragraph of the last exam, and I was driving down the highway going, whoopee, this is great. If people had seen me, they would have called the people in the white coats. But I was so happy that was all over. But there are people who don't identify 
and they will be party poopers. They don't identify with the event and they make the event a cause for martyrdom. I'm here under great duress. Or they become overcritical and pull the whole thing down. You know, I had a wedding one time and there's a part in the wedding where you say now, after you say your husband and wife, you may kiss the bride. And the guy said no. <laughs> now, let me tell you, how you follow that up is something I just did. Me, dumbfounded, nothing to say. <laughs> you know, a party pooper drains all the enthusiasm from the party. And there are events not worth identifying with. They're boring, all about name dropping, all about ladder climbing. A bunch of phonies invite you to keep tabs on you. You know, I remember hearing this story about this man. He was going to prove that these parties were phony. So someone came up to him and said, well, how are you? Well, he said, uh, uh, not too good. My, my mother died yesterday. And the person said, isn't that nice? And walked on. They weren't involved whatsoever. They were just doing one dutiful thing, you know. Or you go to a party and everybody's bombed out. There's no sensible conversation. And you hear the guy the next day saying, what a great time we had. How could they? Couldn't remember. So a good party is a worthwhile event. People who can relate to the event and people who are thankful for the event. Then it becomes event for joy. It was party time in Luke's gospel. It's party time here in Elfin. It's your anniversary. So what kind of a party will it be? Will it be dull or will it be a celebration? Up to now it's been great with all that music. I'll tell you, do you know? And you can tell whether the church is celebrating or not. You see it in the faces of people, you hear it in its voices, and you feel it in the atmosphere. Look, I've gone into a lot of churches since I retired, and let me tell you, sometimes I want to go and see, is this Lion's funeral home, or is this a church? <laughs> the faces inside were terrible. You know? That's why it's great to see these kids standing up, singing their hearts out wonderful. You know? Charles H. Spurgeon was emphasizing to his class the importance of making the facial expressions harmonize with the speech. He said, when you speak of heaven, he said, let your face light up. Let it be irradiated with a heavenly gleam. Let your eyes shine with reflected glory. But when you speak of hell, well, then your ordinary face will do. And so often we can be caught with hell in our face because God is not there to shine through in celebration. So let's go to the Bible and see a great party. It was party time in Luke's gospel. What was the event? The return of the prodigal. One for whom the father had scanned the horizon day after day after day. I'm sure that father at work, sitting at the table wherever he was, he'd be thinking, what is my son doing? What's happening to him? Then when he came home, he was overjoyed. Let's have a party. Let's bring in the fatted cow. Let's have a great time together. And the event was a event for joy. Thanksgiving for the lost being restored. One's life being turned around. One who was given his sonship back again. And all who identified with that event were in a celebration mood and they had a great party. But the event had a party pooper, the elder brother. 
He couldn't identify with the salvation of his brother. He was critical. He was draining away the enthusiasm. It was all there for him too, but he never picked it up. He never got to the miracle. He never got to the joy. So let's see party time in the light of that party. You know, a party is for celebrating. And what are we going to be celebrating? You know, we plan a luncheon. We come here together. We practice for music. We want this to be joyful. So we have the event, and we have the events, and we have the Thanksgiving. I'm sure we're, thank, we're thankful for being here this morning. I'm sure we're thankful for being alive. I'm sure we're thankful for a God who is greater than anything that is against us. Will that be the mood? Is that our party mood this morning, or is it going to be dull? It's a time to be thankful for this building. Not that buildings are important in themselves, but like all buildings, they can be taken away. But what it stands for, hopefully, 174 years of ministry cannot be taken away. A church building is a symbol of God's work in the world. It's the drill hall. It's the learning center. It's the worship center. It's the fellowship center. It was good to come in here this morning and see familiar faces and shake hands or get a hug. It was lovely. This is a vessel, an ark for God's people. You know, I told my first children's story in this church. I can't even remember how many years it was. Long before I went into the ministry. So this holds something special from you. For, and I'm sure it holds something special for you too. Little Elfin Church, doesn't it? So we're thankful for this. We're joyful for this. It's like our houses. You know, they're bricks and mortar. But they hold loving relationships. Our old whole, my old house in Ireland wasn't very much. And I remember cleaning it out with my, after my brother's death. There were tears. Yeah, tears. Tears of memories flooded my soul. I think of the people there and everything that we did together. A church building is important in that sense of the memories of our togetherness. I, I was struck with something this year. I sold my house. And I remember, you know, it held very many memories for me. But I remember the last day I was in it. I went into the bedroom upstairs. It was empty. I went downstairs, the living room was empty, and you know, the screened-in porch was empty. And I thought, wait a minute, it is now a house. It's no longer a home, because there, is, there are no people in that house. There is no one to share your dreams and your meaning with. So, well, this church was only a, it's only a building, but with us inside of it here, with our memories and our fellowship, it becomes our church home. I remember a good friend of mine came out of hospital. She was dying with cancer for her son's wedding. She was very sick. She's in a wheelchair, and she sat at the back of the church, and she said to me, Oh, Bob, what I would give to come here every Sunday. Here, she heard the promises and died with hope. Here, she heard the good news. She was ushered into God's presence. Here, she sang God's praises and was nurtured. The building didn't do it, but it was the home 
in which it happened. And a building means something in that sense. And a building reminds us of 173 years of ministry, and each generation has etched itself in it. It's like a wedding train, a wagon train heading, heading west. There's crosses on the trail of those that death took. But the wagon train kept on going, you know. And over my years, you know, old friends have gone home. And we could remember names here this morning, couldn't we? I can remember my great friend Ethel on anniversary Sunday, whipping everything into shape. Everything had to be just right for Ethel or look out. And one Sunday, Ethel had everything planned right down to the smallest detail. And right in the middle of an anthem, the organ went boom. <laughs> I can remember Bobby, quiet. And I can go over all kinds of names of people who have gone on. But those people carried that church, and now they've handed the baton on to us for us to carry on this ministry and make this place meaningful. So we have the event. We have the people. But we need a special kind of people for this party. Some will see the events as a work to be avoided. Some will not make it much of a party. They don't want to be here. Some may wonder what we are excited about. It could be a bomb out, a lack of enthusiasm. We need a group of prodigals to make this a party. Yeah, we need a group of prodigals who once thought that God was boring and unnecessary, who thought they had the world by the tail, who came to their senses and wised up, who found that only God makes sense of life, that we were confronted, convicted, and converted, that we were forgiven and affirmed and loved by God, that we have had life turned around by God, we have experienced moving from death to life. That's the people who will have a good time at this party because they have something to celebrate which is amazing grace. They can identify with the event. The church means something to them. They see the church as the cradle for the word of God. The only body is going to tell the good news and the good news that set the prodigal free. They are glad for this ministry. They reconciled to God by its message. They are zealous for its continued ministry. This is what it is. Folks, it's party time, but only the prodigals are going to enjoy it, for they have something to celebrate, something to sing about, and something to clap about. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for the joy you have placed in our hearts. Thank you for the life you have given to us. A life that transcends even death. That we can use everything to praise your name. Keep us full of your spirit. Keep us full of your love. That we may be the people who can throw a good party. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we praise God with our morning offering?
Let us pray. Receive, O God, the fruits of our faith. We want our good intentions to result in good gifts and our sincerity to express itself in sacrifice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us come before God. Let us pray. O God, we thank you that you have brought us to this hour, that we have had a meaningful journey guided by your spiritual power. At this anniversary service, may we now draw near offering prayers of thanksgiving for another grace-filled year. God of time and Lord of history, you are the first and the last. Keep alive in us the sacred story of your love and redemption. Keep us mindful with thankful hearts for the saints of the past who built this church in all the seasons of their journey, in the good times and the discouraging times, in times of victory and in times of defeat, but always staying connected to their Lord who was greater than anything that was against them. Descend upon us, O God, now in the present, to accept the challenges that confront your church. Earth is broken, hearts are breaking, stress is overwhelming, your world thirsts to be renewed. Channel your divine compassion through, the, through their lives and through the lives of those who are committed to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. Help your followers to be filled with a hope that never falters. And may we live courageously as we journey on the pathway you've placed us on. Strong protector, may we ever face the future unafraid, even when numbers dwindle and society ignores us, realizing that the real loss is a society running on empty spiritually. And we will always be there, willing to direct them to the source of real life, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, who taught us when we pray, to say together. Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I've been speaking in a lot of United Churches lately. And I always get caught up in that petition. Forgive us our debts. They say forgive us our trespasses. I think I told you once before why. Did I? Okay, because the Presbyterians would much sooner have their debts forgiven than their trespasses. <laughs> Simple as that.
just before the, the last hymn, I want to thank you for inviting me again to lead your anniversary service of worship. It's always a joy to come to Elfin. Nice to see familiar faces and friends I've made throughout the years. And I want to thank, I want to thank this good lady, Linda, and her choir. I'm glad you used, I said this before and I'll say it again, I'm glad you used your own people. It's your party, it's your, your heart, your souls, and you did a great job. Thank you very much. And for these two good musicians here. <laughs> now, this... I've been told to read this, so it doesn't pertain to me. It's about the lunch. You're going to have one, don't worry. Um, it says, hold back for a minute until they get the salads out. So don't rush in. Wait to get the salad out. I don't want you to miss anything. And um, those who can climb stairs, uh, maybe go down to the basement. While us old folks who can't climb the stairs can stay up here. And you can decide who can and who can't, who's young and who's not. I'm not going down that road at all. So, our closing hymn is a great one. 670, Amazing Grace.
May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with us on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out our hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open our hearts to love. May we see the face of Christ in everyone we meet. And may everyone we meet see the face of Christ in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Thank you.